Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. So I'm frequently asked, what's the secret to a healthy and happy relationship that lasts? And my short answer is, don't ignore it, because nothing thrives on neglect and your marriage is no different. Now, my question is, how much attention do you give it? Five minutes a day? Ten minutes? Only when you're unhappy with your spouse? Or maybe only when you want sex? It's really not a mystery why so many relationships fall apart. They are dying what I call the death of a thousand cuts. But that really is a choice you and your partner are making. By not choosing to spend regular quality time with each other, you're choosing to put your marriage at risk. But here's some good news. You can turn things around quickly and easily. And to tell you how, relationship and intimacy coach Corrine Fargo is here to explain. So Corrine, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about what is a universal topic. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Leslie. Um, I'm so happy to talk about uh, the things we're going to be talking about this morning because they're, they're doable and everybody can make the choice to mm-hmm. engage with them. And so, yes, I'm happy to be here. So, and, and what brought you to my attention is that you wrote a piece that appeared at the Good Men Project, which I also write for, titled, 10 Ways to Nurture Your Relationship Back to Health. And you actually started a bit provocatively by talking about a threesome. So can you explain a little bit about what this is, this perspective, and what it can reveal about a couple's relationship? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, It's, uh, I wanted to use the threesome analogy. Yes, it is provocative. (laughs) And uh, uh, the first time I uh, sent that out to my, to my readers um, in an email, uh, I had a lot of people open it. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Definitely uh, a provocative subject line. Yeah, exactly. Um, and of course, uh, they, um, you know, they, they quickly saw that I was not talking about an actual threesome, um, but I was talking about how you see your relationship in your life. And that, and that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to just kind of paint the picture for people um, to see themselves as um, individuals, mm-hmm. um, as a couple, and then as a couple in a relationship, and the relationship being almost like a separate entity, mm-hmm. um, an entity that has feelings, that has needs, um, desires, uh, and needs nurturing. And I, and I think it's, it's just a useful analogy to imagine the relationship as being a third entity in your life together. Well, and I love that. And, and part of the reason why this caught my attention is because I look at it exactly the same. There's you. There's your partner, and there's this thing that you create together. And, yeah. you know, and, 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 that's, and of course, that makes for a lot of inter, intermoving parts that can complicate things. And, you know, and, it, and this, it's partially why I get so frustrated, and I don't know how you feel about this, when, when people talk about relationships are about 
your personal happiness and that your partner's job is to make you happy. It's like, no, it's not. That's not what's going on here. So um, what, what do you think is beneficial about looking at it in this way that this relationship, mm-hmm. your relationship has a life of its own? Yeah. Um, you know, um, in, in the world of therapy um, and psychology, um, you know, we're, we're, we're becoming more familiar with, with this notion of, of the we, W-E. Um, there's you, there's me, and there's we. And, uh, and, and again, that comes back to this idea of the relationship as being an entity in itself. Because if we don't um, prioritize and receive pleasure from creating we moments uh-huh. uh, with our partner, then that's a sign that your relationship is suffering and uh-huh. um, it's not getting fed. Um, it's losing weight. It's not looking good, you know. <laughs> they're, uh, they're com- the, the complexion is pale. They're ill, you know. Mm-hmm. And so what would you do for a friend or a child, someone you love, if they looked like they were sick and needed help? You would mm-hmm. turn your attention to them and you would figure out what do they need. And that's what I want couples to you know, to do with their relationship and view their relationship. Our relationship is not well right now. What do we need to do together for it? Well, you know, and that's a really interesting thing, and, and I just want to touch on this briefly before we get into your 10 suggestions. But this idea that, you know, it, this, this we concept, because it's really hard sometimes yeah. to step outside of ourselves right um, you know and and yeah. the way I look at it is if one of is that if the relationship isn't working for one of you it's not working it's just not working but what happens is is you know my partner brings up a, an issue or something that's concerning to them and I'm going I don't have a problem with that there I, I don't see that and so it kind of gets stuck so is there a way to I mean, I, I'm assuming that if we think about it in terms of this we, that that won't happen. Is, is that kind of what you're suggesting? Yeah. Um, the we moment, you know, we, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an energy field in a way, mm-hmm. you know. You're coming together to create this field of we-ness. And we get a lot of it at the beginning of our relationships. Mm-hmm. That um, those moments of connection, those moments of making eye contact, you know, when your heart is extended out, when you're feeling love and gratitude and arousal and getting turned on, you know, uh-huh. all these wee moments, we're just like swimming in them and loving them. And that's, you know, and then, and then they start to, they can start to fade. Life gets busy. We have our separate lives. We see uh-huh. each other as opponents more than partners. Um, uh, we get into a zone that is ignoring those we spaces mm-hmm. and not inviting them in. And so in every long-term relationship, every couple has to initiate these we moments. They have to get the fact that um, they have to make a choice. They're, right. they're making a choice for their relationship. Like you said at the beginning, you know, we're always of choice. Mm-hmm. If, we're, if we're choosing one thing, we're not choosing another thing. Yep. And so we can, as a, as a couple, as a team, we can say, yeah, let's do this. 
Um, let's create we moments. How are we going to do that? What's, what's meaningful to us as a couple? How do we find that space between us where we can look in each other's eyes and communicate or even just through, you know, our look, say, I love you, I'm here with you, I've got your back. And I love um, that. That's, that's what I mean by, yeah, that's the nurturing. And that's the nurturing of the relationship. It's one way. And then, you know, there are ten other ways, as I mentioned right. in my article, ten other ways that I'm just throwing out there because there's so many um, right. to feed the relationship and nurture it. So I want to get into those ten suggestions. And I kind of broken, broke them up into three groups. And so the first is about what a couple physically does together. And you mentioned specifically laughing engaging in physical activity together, and I'm assuming that's not just sex, um, extended hugging, mm -hmm. and something you call creating mystery dates, which I loved. So what makes, you know, what are these and what makes them important for keeping the relationship healthy? Yeah. Um, oh, there's so much there with just those four things. Um, mm -hmm. Laughing, humor, you know. Um, it's so important. Um, being able to engage in laughter together, it's like a um, it's like a moment of letting go of control. You know, uh -huh. you're you're involuntarily engaging in this pleasurable thing called humor and laughter. Uh -huh. And if we don't have enough of it in our day to day lives with our partner, then we have to start to nurture humor. Uh -huh. You can do that within yourself. You can you know you can check yourself to see. What about the situation is kind of funny, actually, mm -hmm. you know? What could mm -hmm. I bring to my partner right now that would make them smile? Um, uh, what could I say that would just, like, tease a little smile out of them or maybe even a belly laugh? Uh, and if you can't do it, you know, yourself, not every couple has a, uh, you know, a fantastic wit and repartee going. Um, <laughs> they have their other strengths. And so if you're not doing it a lot um, between yourselves, then find some stand-up comedy a routine. Yep. Find something that makes you laugh on, on television and enjoy that together. But just nurture humor because humor is, um, it can get you through so many hard times. Oh, yeah. Turn things around when they're tense. Uh, and it's just, it builds up a good feeling with your partner. So that's, that's laughing. Physical activity, yeah, is not just sex. Um, it's, it's, it's getting it's getting out there and doing things together that requires your body uh, to be active. Uh -huh. um, and, um, and so, you know, and so there's all sorts of physiological good reasons to get out there and, and get exercise. But when you do it with your partner, it's, um, it, it, it gives you a sense of teamwork and accomplishment and yeah, we did this, you know, uh -huh. we decided to go on a five mile hike and we did it, you know, and that's also a very kind of nurturing thing to reawaken in your relationship. Uh -huh. um, and physical activity does open us to, to arousal activity. Yep. Um, because it gets our heart pumping, it gets our, you know, our blood circulating, it oxygenates our body and our brain and our genitals. And so, you know, yeah, it's, I, I, when I talk to my couples about intimacy and sexuality, um, I will talk to them about exercise and getting out there and moving your body, and it will awaken all sorts of things. Um, so that's physical activity. Hugging, I give my, my couples uh -huh. extended hugging practices 
uh, and that is a specific thing. You know, um, it's not just coming in for the quick, hey, goodbye, um, love you, you know, that kind of like um, very quick kind of superficial way of engaging in a hug. It's coming into your partner's body front to front, all the way down, finding a comfortable holding place where you're not tense and you're not patting them on the back. <laughs> um, you're not giving them that little squeeze, squeeze. You're right. just coming in and relaxing in their arms. And that is something that we, you know, we forget how to do. Maybe we did it more in our, um, in our early stages, mm-hmm. but uh, we get busy and, and a hug turns into a very superficial, almost family-like hug, right. you know, or a friend, best friend hug. And so that's what I'm challenging couples to do. Mm-hmm. is to come in for the hug and hold that hug for at least 20 seconds because we now know from brain science that it takes 20 seconds for the hormones in the brain to start releasing all the dopamine yep. and, you know, the good feeling. And the oxytocin. Of the oxytocin of, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, oxytocin of just having a body next to you. Um, it takes 20 seconds. And in that 20 seconds, you can just hold and you can enter the we space. And you can both know what that is when you say the we space and learn how to do it together. And that is dropping in. That's the best way I have to describe it. Uh You're dropping in. You're taking a deep breath. You're feeling each other's breath. And you're dropping into that space of, hey, you know, I love you. Um, I value you in my life. These are the feelings that you're having, right? Great. And they're doing the same. And uh, it creates this beautiful soup of, mm-hmm. um, of a feeling moment. And it doesn't have to, it ha- doesn't have to take long. You can right. do it twice a day when you come and go from each other's company. Mm-hmm. You just agree to enter into that extended hug for at least 20 seconds. And um, you'll notice the difference. Yes. All sorts of subtle <laughs> And so talk about this creating mystery dates, because I love that, because I always mm. recommend to my couples that you need to keep dating, <laughs> you know, that, that that's part, yeah. and, and, and my definition of dating is not, you go to, your, go to the same restaurant every week and talk about your relationship. What I tell, talk about dating is yeah. that you're, the purpose of it is to have fun, and I think that your mystery dates will do that. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, uh, you know, mystery dates, um, mystery dates. So, yeah, I, I, and I agree with you about, the, about the, same, the same restaurant, the same conversation, talking about the kids, talking about work. Oh. Um, you know, yeah, we, we can do that. Uh, it's easy to do. Uh, we do it all the time, probably just like that kind of superficial conversation. But mm-hmm. um, when, you, when you agree to just drop into other topics that are a little bit deeper and more connecting, um, then, then it, it, it changes the nature of a date totally. Right. So mystery dates, mystery dates, um, I love because they are, they're fun, they're playful, um, and you're giving, you're taking turns. Each partner is taking turns uh, every week or every other week, um, creating a mystery date for the other. And um, that can be anything. It could be, you know, it could be a, a, a lovely expensive meal and a, you know, trip to, you know, some sort of beautiful theatrical event. Or it could be a, a picnic with a blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be bowling. It could be anything that um, would give your partner pleasure. Um, 
it could be a burlesque, um, you know, more erotic experience somewhere, something more, uh, more fun that way. So it's just, you know, finding, finding the thing that you know would give your partner pleasure uh-huh. and, and then setting it up and doing everything necessary for them to not have to lift a finger um, you tell them what to wear based on the um, um, right. experience. You you make the reservations. You tell them what what time to be ready at the door, basically. Right. And they don't know where they're going, and um, it's fun. You know? Yeah, it's it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, and also, also Leslie, you know, it engages the very important. Um, um, aspect of novelty in a relationship, yes. and as we know now, you know through through uh, couple therapy, um, um, that novelty is is an important kind of brain function, and it works really well to engage with novelty in a long term relationship. It lights up our brain in a way that uh, that um, you know that enhances the connection. Right. It hits, uh, and it, yeah, so, it hits all those falling in love neurotransmitter chemicals that, you know, that, that everybody's always yeah. trying to get back. So I want to remind exactly. my listeners that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with relationship and intimacy coach Corrine Fargo about some simple positive steps you can take to make your relationship more enjoyable for both of you. Now, if your marriage has gotten into a rut or put on the back burner, it probably isn't all that you would like it to be. You might even describe it as, okay, no real problems, but no real excitement either. And it can limp along like that for years if you let it. But if you're ready to bring it back to life, then I can help. I invite you to take a moment and get in touch with me either by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in Charlie, dot com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463. And we will set up a, a, a five-star, strategy, five-star relationship strategy session. So I want to get back to this conversation about the simple things that you can do to make your relationship better. And so I'm talking about you know, these, 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 these grouping of things. And so the next group, I think, is about the emotional aspects of a relationship. Choosing to be happy rather than right, being interested in what your partner is feeling, acknowledging extra efforts your partner is making, like that mystery date we were talking about, and becoming a student of love. So, Corrine, can you talk about how to do these things and what makes them important? Yeah. Um, let's just go through them. Um, be willing to be happy rather than right. Yeah, um, I love that. You know, yeah, uh, and there are so many moments um, that this applies to you in, a, in our day-to-day life. And so I, I want to make sure that people understand that I'm not talking about disempowering yourself mm-hmm. or, um, you know, or, um, or not having your voice in the relationship. Right. I'm not talking also about acquiescing to avoid conflict. Yeah, that's um, a big one. Yeah, that's a big one, and I don't encourage couples to do either of those <laughs> no. things. Yeah. But we all know, if we're in a long-term relationship, how many moments during the day 
when you can make a choice to put your fight down. You know, um, you know, you might be talking about something that's just not that important, and you both know it. Um, and uh, and there are, you know, we we are of choice in every moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can make the choice to uh, to put the fight down, put our armor down. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, not see our partner as our uh, combatant, uh-huh, um, the enemy, and mm-hmm. and and find a certain happiness within um, that kind of generosity. You know, uh, it, and it and it really is just it's just looking at your patterns of communication and your habits. You mm-hmm. know, do you move into conflict with ease, uh, with too much ease? Yeah. Um, are you choosing, you know, to be competitive with your partner when you don't have to be? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to lay down moments of connection and generosity throughout your day to build the intimacy and nurture the relationship. Um, so I just call couples to bring attention to those moments when they can choose to be happy rather than right. And I think everyone knows what that means. Uh Now, here's a tough one. one Talk about being interested in what your partner is feeling. And and that can be sometimes an area that's a little scary, especially if my partner is having some difficult feelings that I'm not comfortable with, (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. if they're about me. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's so important that couples learn uh, to speak the language of feelings. Uh, and every couple is different. Um, you can generalize and say that men are less comfortable speaking about their feelings because of, you know, how they're raised in our society. And, I mean, there's just so much you could say about this conversation of feelings. But a couple has to find their way. Um, uh-huh. And... They, and they, you know, they may have communication skills that they have to work on in order to be able to talk about feelings in a way where they're heard and, um, and seen. You know? uh-huh. But um, if feelings aren't being shared on a regular basis in a relationship, then you're going to start entering into um, some disconnection, which builds to conflict, right. which builds to resentment, which then builds to a loss of intimacy. I mean, it's just like the building. Yeah, it's like a snowball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a snowball. And so coming back to this essential element of every relationship, which is being able to share your feelings with each other and feel like you're being heard um, is so important. Um, so, you know, um, uh, I, would say that, I would say that, you know, just, just acknowledging that you need to have conversations in which you're both sharing uh, and hearing each other and you need to understand how to have those conversations without getting triggered, right. um, entering into blame, um, entering into judgment. Um, you know, um, I think a lot of people are familiar with using the, uh, the I statement um, and, and owning your feelings as your own uh-huh. and sharing them in a way that doesn't blame your partner for how you're feeling, these are all really important. And couples can learn how to do it um, in such a way that it just becomes a new pattern of communicating with each other. Um, so that's what I mean by 
being interested in how your partner is feeling, being able to hear what they have to say, and just being a steady, uh, you know, a steady, grounded um, person in their life so that they can share Mm -hmm. uh, without, you know, you freaking out about what they might be feeling. Their feelings are their feelings. You don't have to fix them necessarily. Mm -hmm. You just have to hear them and stay steady with where they're at. We all need to feel like we can be heard in what we're feeling, uh, and then we can move through our feelings. Yeah. So, you know, so we can, we can help each other move through difficult feelings by just listening and, um, and, and, and empathizing, you know? Empathizing. Right, that, which, is a, which, is uh, so, such a, yeah. which is such a huge um, Acknowledgement. So I want you to say more about becoming a student of love because I think that you know, for me, you know, I always I always talk about nobody has to take a relationship 101 class and everybody should uh, because you yeah. know there there's so many things that 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 we know. I mean, the information is out there about what makes relationships work, but people think, well, we fell in love, everything's going to be hunky dory until it's not. And so, what is it? What does it mean to become a student of love? Yeah. Um, yes, becoming a student of love. Yeah. Well, you know, every couple needs to um, continue being students of love because they've chosen the 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 model to live in this world. They've chosen the relationship model. And uh-huh. um, some people choose the single models. You know, uh-huh. and you know, but they're in a relationship. If they're in a long-term relationship, then that's their. You know, I see it as a spiritual practice, really. Um, uh, spiritual in the sense that it's deep. Uh, learning how to love um, is a schooling, and it never stops. Um, you know, there are all sorts of, of things we can do to stay connected and be a good partner, because underneath that, we want to love. We want to learn how to love well. And we want to be loved well. You know, it really is, it, it's, it almost comes down for me, it's, what's the purpose of life? Uh-huh. Um, what are we here to do, you know? Uh-huh. Ultimately, it comes down to this, this, this experience of love. And we can practice that loving in relationship with our partner. Um, and so you're both in school together. And, uh, and you can get better and better at it. If you, if you relate to it as a schooling, you can help each other grow and be, um, you know, and be spiritual partners, not just life partners, but, you know, see, see the purpose of your relationship as something bigger than the two of you even, you know. Right. It's, um, it's that human, goes back to that, human that we. Yeah, that goes back to that we that you it's were talking we, about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's, that's what I mean by being a student of love. Um, so I hope that answers your question. <laughs> never, never stop learning how to love better. That's my perspective. Never right, stop yeah. learning. Yeah, I mean, you know, because the reason why the show is called Happily Ever After is just the beginning is because your wedding day is the, is the start, not the culmination of, yeah. of your journey. 
So, and the final group, and I wanted to leave this for last because one, this is the one that everybody wants information on, but it also I think is the most challenging. And the final group you talk about addresses the intimacy aspects of a relationship. And it's and this is often yeah. where cracks in a relationship first show up is in your level of intimacy. And you suggest as part of the as, as part of the ten things is showing desire and talking about sex openly and honestly. So can you expand on both of these? Because some people will say, well, I can't show desire because I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do you say to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that then you would move into talking about sex openly and honestly. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, again, you want me to do what? Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're not feeling desire, mm-hmm. then that's a conversation. That's that is a signal to you that you've got some growing to do. Let's find out what's happening. You know, that's a common thing that that couples, my couples, will will come to me with is a, a loss of desire, a lack of desire, and and so what's going on? You know. Uh-huh. Um, uh, learning to talk about sex openly and honestly is just, it, it's just, um, it's a game changer for okay. couples. Um, yeah, you know, but it's, they learn to, mm-hmm. well, it's so hard because one of the so, things that, you know, when I talk to people about this, it's like, well, I don't want to hurt my partner's feelings. Because you know, mm-hmm. you know I, I personally think that the reason why sex and money are the two biggest challenges in relationships is because they are so incredibly personal, and, you know. But yeah. and and our sex yeah. life at one point in time might have been okay, but now mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel desire. And and part of the reason why I wanted to save these two for last is because I think if you're doing a lot of the other things we've been talking about, that can also mm-hmm. Um, rekindled desire, but having this, you know, talking about mm-hmm. sex openly and honestly, it's like, oh my gosh, that is like, it is so hard. What suggestions do you give mm-hmm. couples to begin these conversations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, it, that's why I, I think it's really important for couples to have someone guide them if they have a hard time with this conversation, guide them in that conversation. That's, and that's what I do. Most, most of what I do is, uh-huh. is help couples talk about sex. I'll just, I'll just facilitate the conversation in a way that um, helps them bypass the, 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 um, the potholes, you know, okay. um, like, like feeling, uh, feeling blamed or feeling judged, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is, it's, it's, it's so hard to, to have a conversation if there's a resentment in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes resentment can be there for years and years. And so it's just breaking away the resentment and, and, and feeling like they have a place to talk honestly and be heard. Uh, without getting shut down by the other person or just, um, uh, you know, getting lost in shame, uh, which often comes up. Um, Sexuality is shame. Um, So, uh, you know, so being able to talk openly is something that um, it's it's like once you start to swim in those waters, uh, you just form new practices to keep that conversation going. 
uh, understanding the, the pitfalls, you know, and the potholes, understanding what can happen if you're not careful. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, it's the I statements. It's avoiding the blaming. It's avoiding the judging. It's not making your partner wrong. It's mm-hmm. acknowledging the fact that if you're in a long-term relationship, sexuality is going to be a... Uh, a ride you're on together and it's going to shift and change it's going to go up it's going to go down um you know navigating those waters is something that any couple can do they just have to have the courage to step (laughs) into uh the the water and learn how to swim in it um uh, well, so that's yeah, I mean, I and I think you said, that. yeah, I think you've said something that's so important about how we bring it up and not about blaming and shaming, because yeah. you know, and and that is you know, and that is learning how to speak and listen with empathy, compassion, curiosity, because I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I've I've, I've shared this before on the show about, you know, my husband saying to me once that, you know, guys would love it if women would just come up and grab their junk. And I'm going, I get it, but women, most, a lot of women don't feel the same way. So be really careful. So we were having that kind of conversation about why some women, me being one of them, because it was a conversation we were having about random grabbing of body parts. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it was like, honey, Mm -hmm. I need to explain to you why this doesn't work. And and it it was kind of, he kind of went, I mean, when I said it, it made perfect sense to him. It was Mm -hmm. just not something that he recognized because, Mm -hmm. you know, men, most men don't have to protect themselves physically like a lot of, like a lot of women feel like we have to protect ourselves or at least be aware about what's going on. And he was like, Oh, but that's a conversation you have to be able to have. It wasn't about oh, you're just you're just a lout because you because you want to you, you know because you do this. It's like, honey, yeah. here's why it doesn't land well. And it had you know. And I said to yeah. you, I said, and honey, by the way, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's you because in that moment, if it's coming at me um, without any kind you know out of the blue, like, I don't know it's coming, yeah. my body will have an automatic reaction to it. It doesn't matter who's doing the touching. I just have this instinctual yeah. response. And I said, I need to explain yeah. that. And he went, oh, because he, you know, <laughs> but it was like, but having those conversations is, you know, learning, I think, how to communicate well, because these are tough conversations to have, even, even in the best relationships, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about, um, uh, it, that's, it's a great story, by the way, you know, I wish women would just, uh, you know, come up and grab our junk. And it's, right. it's, it's just point, it just points to something that is just, just you, you can't deny that men and women operate differently. And I, I don't want to get into gender stereotyping, right. and there's all sorts of exceptions. Um, but um, how, how one person moves into arousal is very different potentially yep. from how your partner moves into arousal. Um, generally speaking, men are much more direct, they're more spontaneous in their um, path to arousal, and women are more um, responsive 
in right. our pastor arousal. And, you know, we could go into a longer conversation <laughs> about what that means, but, um, but there, there are different paths to arousal and understanding what your partner's is is part of the conversation of talking about sex. Right. Um, it is, it's like you get to learn, like, what turns my partner on? How do I move them into that place uh-huh. of being open to intimacy? And, Got um, it. And, that's, you know, and that comes from learning about them. And you learn about them through talking about it. And so, you know, it all comes back to uh, talking about sex openly and honestly so that you can have better sex. Right. Well, Corey, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and talking about these because actually, you know, and, and what I would suggest to the people listening is just pick one and start. I mean, you know, because yeah. they, they are they are relative. Now, talking about sex openly and honestly may be a little bit more challenging, so you may want to leave that one until you build up some stuff. But I do think mm-hmm. that that it's you know that some of these things pe- people people could get their relationships back on on positive footings by doing some of these other things. And so can you share um, with the listeners where they can learn more about you, where they can get some more information about how to improve their relationships? Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Um, My website is Love, Sex, and Desire. That's the name of my business, Love, Sex, and Desire, A-N-D. And uh, and so, you know, first I want to say, Come to my website. Get on my get on my blog mailing list because every week I put out a whole lot of writing about relationships and sexuality. Um, so get on my blog list and get my passion blog every week. And then the other thing that I want to make available to um, to your listeners is uh, um, is a set of emails that I would be sending out to you that I call the Embers of Desire. Um, and for a week, you're going to get email, an email from me outlining exactly how to do one of these embers, which we're, that's what we were talking about this morning. These are all embers that, um, that lead to desire and connection. And so get on my, uh, on my uh, list for that, and that would be lovesexanddesire.com slash embers. Um, lovesexanddesire.com slash embers, and you will get those seven emails from me that will make a difference, definitely make a difference in your relationship. Um, And uh, I'd love to hear about how they do make a difference. Terrific. So long-term relationships are not destined to die on the vine, but when other things take priority over your marriage, it will suffer. And if you don't want that to happen, you have to nurture it. So as Corrine says, before your relationship heads out the door looking for another couple to join up with, sit down as a threesome and assure your relationship that from now on you're going to listen to its needs, make it feel special, and prioritize time together, which I just love that quote. So my question is, what areas of your relationship needs some TLC? And I hope that is one of the things that you do to keep your relationship healthy and happy is to continue to listen to this show. So until next week, stay loving.